The evil that men do lands on. We gonna bang your head! You are now listening to the Music Mania podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the twins of chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. Well, Paul, we're going to be talking some KISS on this week's version of the Music Mania podcast, because not only are we going to be seeing KISS on the Freedom to Rock tour here coming up on uh, Wednesday, we've got a very special guest and former KISS guitarist Bruce Kulick is joining us right here on the Music Mania podcast. We're going to talk to him about his time in KISS uh, and much, much more, man. He was, uh, I I love Bruce. I love that era. I think Bruce did a great job in KISS during the 80s and uh, early 90s. Absolutely. Uh, My favorite era of KISS, actually, believe it or not, was... uh, 84 to basically 90 which is our genre actually uh you had asylum hot in the shade uh he was great yeah and he, he worked on a little bit of animalize i think before coming in be, becoming an official member uh you had crazy nights hot in the shade um right. and then of course he worked on revenge which is my one of my favorite kiss albums from 92 when eric singer joined the band to take over uh, for eric carr who passed away uh, i love the revenge era lineup and things were just heating up for this band uh, for Kiss, especially as they came into the 95 Unplugged sessions. And then what happens? Well, there's Ace and Peter. They join them at Unplugged, and from there, a reunion is made, and they go back to the makeup. We're going to ask Bruce Kulick about all that and much more. Um, always been curious to know if if Bruce kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, hey, Ace and Peter are starting to play. Uh, they did some conventions, uh, Kiss conventions around that time. They'd have uh, Peter come up and join him. Then Ace comes up during the MTV Unplugged, plays uh, 2000 Man. And from there, the makeup comes back on. Yep. Huge tour for Kiss on that reunion tour. And I, th- I think I mean, those guys understand. I mean, Eric Singer and Bruce Kulick, you know, those guys under- Those guys are professional musicians. They came in, they did a great job in Kiss. But Kiss, you know, they had yeah. to, 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 I mean, was it a cash grab probably to go back to the makeup? That's what Kiss is, and that's what people recognize right. from the band. They've always been a, uh, the most commercial band out there in after that, uh, he, he knows exactly. I'm sure he was a big fan before he came aboard, so he knows exactly what Kiss is all about. Yeah, and he's just such an accomplished musician. Of course, he's in Grand Funk Railroad these days. He's done some albums. Uh, you know, with our guest last week, John Karabi, they had a band called Union. They did a couple albums together, um, you know, and... and Bruce Kulick's always been a guy that's kind of an understated guy, kind of a under the radar type guy. Like he was never, you know, some massive stage presence, but he was just a very technically proficient player and worked out perfectly for Kiss. His brother Bob had done a lot of session work with Kiss even back into the seventies. So Bruce comes aboard. I you want to you know I I think that uh, that Aaron Kiss is is a great thing. I mean, from really if you think about it, Kiss took the makeup off for Lick It Up. And I love that album. I love Look It Up, Animalize, Asylum, mm-hmm. Crazy Nights. It started to get a little poshy, a little a little over the top as far as the 80s sound goes. And uh, Hot in the Shade, to me, represented kind of the transition between Kiss uh, with more of the frilly look. And Gene just kind of struggled during that era with his costume. We're going to ask Bruce about that because he said before that he thought 80s were a tough era on Gene <laughs> specifically. Uh, Paul seemed to shine, though, in his 
outfits and stuff. You know, oh, Paul is Paul. So, <laughs> but what do you, you want, don't have to worry about Paul? What, before we bring on our guest Bruce Kulick, you know, what do you expect from this Kiss concert coming up on Wednesday? It's actually the Silverstein Ice Center's Arena here in uh, Independence, Missouri, outside of Kansas City. Not the Sprint Center, not the big arena. This is the smaller yeah. minor league hockey arena. Kiss may be doing mm-hmm. some smaller venues on this tour. Surprising. Uh, it was surprising for me because I figured, you know, Kiss, uh, everything that they've done here in the last probably 10 years has been probably, what, arenas, I would think. But, uh, you know, I've seen one show there. I saw Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie there. It's a good show. It's quaint. Uh, it's a good venue. But can it hold the Kiss show? The Kiss is well, so bombastic, and it's like you just don't right. pitch your Kiss in that small of a venue. No, but it'll be but interesting. I, I, I think this show here is going to be a little bit different than the other Kiss shows simply because they uh, chose this small arena and uh, – you know, I don't think it's going to be as bombastic as you say. Uh, Maybe a little think, stripped down. Yeah, the exactly. videos I've seen looks like the band sounds a little better. Paul Stanley sounds pretty good for what he is, but um, you know, maybe it's more kind of a stripped down. I mean, it's still got the pyro. It's still Kiss. Yeah. I still see the Gene Simmons flying, the Paul Stanley flying into the crowd, the blood spurt. It's all there. It's right. just uh, maybe on a smaller scale with this stage. But I'm looking, I I look so. forward to it, and I'm going to ask kind of Bruce Kulick just his his thoughts on you know the state of Kiss and you know maybe maybe what's next. He was never asked to put on the makeup uh, whenever they got back together. He After Ace Frehley left the second time after the farewell tour, uh, they went with Tommy Thayer and maybe um, because Bruce just didn't want to do the makeup thing. Well, it is our pleasure to go ahead and bring on our guest at this time. He is former Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick. Bruce, man, it is such a pleasure. Welcome to the Music Mania Podcast. How's everything going, my man? Thank you. Well, everything's going along well. Thank you. It's great to be chat with you guys again, right? Absolutely. What uh, so you're you're on tour right now with Grand Funk Railroad? Let me just go through this. You got Fourth uh, of July going to be spending it in Miami. There are worse places to spend a Fourth of July holiday. And uh, July 9th, Fort Morgan, Colorado, and July uh, 29th in Detroit. I've always been so intrigued by your involvement in Grand Funk Railroad, and uh, just as a big fan of that band. But how's it feel being out on the road again this summer? I know that you guys uh, you tour um, very frequently as it is, but uh, out again doing it, doing what you guys do best, man. How's it feel? Well, you know, this is my. 17th year of doing dates with them and um, what a lot of people don't understand and a lot of bands do this nowadays uh, it's just the way the way it's better to, to, to keep yourself out there and, and make uh, you know maximize everything with, with the group is you just do sometimes weekend dates you know it's not that often we play during the week because in order to tour and fill every date well, you need to be possibly either an arena tour or you're kind of on a bus doing every club in town, if you get what I mean. You know, going from state to state and, and doing the club scene. And with Grand Funk, we mostly stick with the casinos and these uh, outdoor rock festival dates and things like that. So we, you know, I I wouldn't call it touring because what, what happens is I have these like three-day weekend gigs that I, you know, I do. I travel, uh, you know, I'm... We all fly in, we meet the day before, then we do the gig and, 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 and do our thing, and then everybody usually flies home the next day. Sometimes there's two gigs in a row. Sometimes there's going to be a stretch in September where the guys will be out on the West Coast. I live out on the West Coast, so it's not so sure. bad for like seven days, you know, because of dates out here. But you follow what I mean? It isn't yeah. the traditional, like the way Kiss would gear up for a tour with the 10 trucks and, and, and buses and the plane, and uh, you're, you're out for two months, you know what I mean? It's different. Yeah. So... Um, but what's interesting is about it, and I'm glad you asked, because it, it does make for 
besides the fact I get my rocks off performing and playing guitar and the band is terrific as as you probably know I've been sharing a lot more lately on Facebook and, and all about the group and uh, the reaction has been really growing because some Kiss fans don't don't check out other things you know sadly and, <laughs> and Grand Funk was uh, really famous before even Kiss okay sure. and was an influence for many famous bands but but by having the days home in between you know meaning I can come home on a Sunday and then maybe I'm leaving again on a Thursday or Friday I can have kind of a normal life even though whose life is normal anymore you know or ever yes <laughs> if you get what I mean uh, of but, course uh, it's a crazy world we're living in right now right but uh, that's the good thing about it so in between uh, all these weekend days, we are going to have like a little gap in July. And I've already told like five people, oh yeah, I got a couple weeks off in July. Let's hook up then, you know, because, uh, you know, there's always so much going on. Uh, and that's unusual for us, but we've been working almost every weekend. Um, it's been a very, very good year for us since January. Even in January, we did a cruise and, you know, uh, Peter Frampton was on that. Ace as well, Ace Fraley. That was kind of fun. I got to watch him play and he got to watch me with Grand Funk. But uh, like I said, uh, it's almost every weekend I gotta go journey somewhere and I get to see uh, America. And uh, it, it's and sometimes when there's gaps, I'm able to fill it in with some things that are related to me, like a trip to uh, Brazil, let's say, for for ten days, or uh, where I'm doing just you know my thing and the kiss stuff. Or I'll go to uh, I went to an expo in Stockholm over a weekend. You know that was a little crazy, but it was worthwhile because I hadn't been to Sweden in so many years, you know, so um, there's never a dull moment. I guess I could put it that way. Uh, and that's, that is absolutely the case, Bruce. And uh, I tell you, you know, you are such an interesting case, an interesting musician yourself. I mean, you cut your teeth, you know, playing with uh, bands like Rosetta, Billy Squire, uh, yes, even Michael Bolton. Just kind of describe your upbringing as a, as a, as a guitarist uh, and how, how blending in with uh, those bands that you played with, you know, before joining KISS. Well, first off, I, I definitely grew up in a, in a good place in the sense that being a New Yorker as a, as a kid and a teenager, every band came to New York, so I, I actually got to see people like Jimi Hendrix play when I was young. I saw Cream at one of their first gigs in 1966 in, in New York. I saw Zeppelin, I know that Paul Stanley and I have talked about it, he's been at the same gig as me uh, at the, where the World's Fair was. There was a place called the Pavilion, and and Zeppelin was there and it was like, whoa, this is amazing. So I was exposed to the British invasion, shall I say. My brother did actually see the Beatles at Shea Stadium. I, I didn't do that one, but still I was exposed to this incredible wealth of fantastic, fantastic music that changed my life. I picked up a guitar rather quickly. Um, I really enjoyed playing. I seem to have had some sort of uh, innate ability, which is good, which means you know, helps. <laughs> genetically, um, you know, you have some sort of uh, ear for music or ability for it. And I just uh, surrounded myself with it, constantly seeing bands, playing music, getting together with guys. Last year I put out a, a record from my very first like, kind of original group that I had with this guy, My Cats, called KKB. We didn't even have a name. We just got together and rehearsed originals and recorded it, and and then we wound up putting a new song on it because uh, you know it's kind of fun to do a throwback where you all get back together after forty years, the <laughs> forty plus years, you know. So um, uh, you know, and from there, obviously being in New York, um, my brother got into the industry as a guitarist. You know, he he goes guitar work, you know, for kids. Certainly. 
toured with Paul Stanley and did Paul's solo record, you know, so you know his, his resume. Uh, but that was great because, um, you know, I, I would play in some cover bands at first, and, uh, and then I wound up touring with, like, a George McRae, you know, who had a, was a disco artist, but I went to Europe for, like, two and a half months and got to see the world, you know, within a short year after that. I'm touring with my brother as the dual guitar player with Meatloaf, um, and then I wind up um, doing a, you know, a record with Billy Squire, and uh, and then of course I worked with Michael Bolton, and we had a band called Blackjack, and then I worked with him again uh, when he went solo, but he was doing much more of a rock thing, and that was it was during that tour is when I met Don Brewer. I mean, I I was very aware of Grand Funk, I was a fan, but um, Don Brewer always plays drums uh, for many many of the Bob Seger tours. Okay, and and. Bolton was lucky that he got like two weeks, three weeks on the road with Bob Seger back in 83. So we wound up, uh, I, I met Don that way. And then years later, of course, um, well, you know what happens after, I'll go in order here. <laughs> after, after, we got a timeline here. You know, my, after I was done with Michael Bolton, I was really kind of like looking for something. And that's when I got the call. And um, I actually helped out Kiss on the Animalized Records. That was during the summer of 84. And then by the end of the year, they already put a new guitar player in when, when things with Vinny Vincent went south, and that was Mark St. John, and then he wound up getting some sort of weird arthritic uh, health condition where his hand got swollen so he couldn't tour, and Paul liked what I did on, on the little bit of ghost guitar work for Animal Eyes, so he invited me to do the tour, and, um, you know, they've been saying maybe two to six weeks, and then, of course, um, it turned into 12 years, which was quite incredible. <laughs> And, you know, I'm very proud of those years, even though I'll admit, at the time I was doing it, I was just doing the best I could, but I didn't realize how how important it would be even, you know, so many years from then. You know, it's just uh, people really love um, reminiscing, you know, uh, and then the, the new generations learn the stuff, you know. So, so that, of course, took its course up to the reunion tour. Uh, which it was the right time for it that 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 you know Ace and Peter um, really wanted to be back in the band and and Gene and Paul saw the opportunity and the promoters were just like uh, yeah and they you know there it is the first gig which they just celebrated some anniversary for in, in '96 <laughs> so um, uh, they sold out of Tiger Stadium yeah you know, 20 years how can you how can you complain about that so. I didn't have the gig anymore, although they took care of me for a year, which I was grateful uh, about. And um, they stayed in makeup, of course, all those time, all those years, and and still now. But but within, uh, I remember first working with John Karabi in a band called Union, and we had a very talented drummer and bassist, uh, Brent Fix, Fitz, who uh, played with Slash for many years, and and uh, Jamie Hunting, who you know played with uh, Roger Daltrey and, and David Lee Roth. And Union didn't take off, unfortunately, so I started to think about doing some solo records, and that, my first one was Audio Dog. I was right when I was working on Audio Dog is when Don Brewer was putting together the, you know, the new version of Grand Funk with him and Mel, okay? They found the right singer, this terrific guy, Max Carl, who uh, was in 38 Special and used to write a lot of songs for hit for, for many artists. Um, a great, great, great singer and incredible musician. So he'd front the band. You know, Mark Farner did sing and play guitar and write a lot of the material along with Don. But uh, in this case, they, they 
it was kind of replaced him with me and Max, and that's a pretty good one-two punch, you know. And then the band got rounded out with a keyboard player, Tim Cash, and was played with Robert Palmer and Bob Seger and all. Um, and that those five of us, okay, uh, we've been doing Grand Funk since... Uh, uh, our first gig was very late in the year of 99, okay, so, you know, from 2000 to now, that's uh, incredible, you know, you yeah. do about 40 gigs a year, and, um, you know, and that kind of gets you up to date, and just the, the reason why, you know, I haven't looked for another gig because there's no reason to, but I would fill gaps during all these years with Grand Funk to finish another solo record, to go to, you know, Australia and do some dates for a few weeks, things like that, you know, that, that, that still related to my past, but that people wanted to see, you know, Bruce again, uh, supporting, you know, his guitar playing and his career. So it's, it's been pretty much, uh, almost every year similar in the sense that I do things like that, sessions for people like Tobias Samet and, uh, or a guy from Sweden that you may not know, but he's popular there, you know, um, I stay, you know, really busy with all that. And, um, I'm real proud of all my solo records and, I'll let you talk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so pretty much covered it. My career. Well, you you pretty much covered it all, Bruce. But there you go. I got it all out in five minutes. There you go. It's like <laughs> 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 that's great though. But uh, just going back for a minute to the '80s with uh, you yep. know when you first joined Kiss. Yep. Uh, what was your relationship like with uh, Gene and Paul back then, and uh, how is it now? Well, I'll start with now, and then we'll go backwards. Um, really great. I mean, the last time I actually saw them, and it was pretty funny because it was like a revenge band all in an arena, but we, only I was playing, was when I went uh, uh, over Memorial Day weekend. I played uh, for L.A. Kiss. That's their um, you know, arena football, football team. Yeah. Team. And I did the Star Spangled Banner for them, and I sat in with the house band, who were all like incredible musicians that I know played with from Madonna to Ace Frehley to, you know, Onward. So um, that was fun. But Gene and Paul were there because it's their team, you know, and Eric came uh, in support, and uh, that was really cool. And, you know, those guys came to my wedding, and I have a great relationship with them. I really, I, I can, you know, uh, proudly say that me not being in the band has nothing to do with uh, us not getting along or respecting each other. You know, they, they chose clearly Tommy at the time when Ace was being very complicated and was not showing up at some commitments and things, and Tommy was always ready to jump in for him, and Tommy knew um, Makeup Kiss, and he wore makeup in a tribute band besides, you know, having history in the business with Black and Blue and stuff, and he's a fine guitar player who helped uh, Ace get back in shape before the reunion even started, and all of a sudden it was like, Tommy, you gotta do this, and, and next thing you know, it seemed pretty obvious if they want to keep things the way it's the way it was, meaning like the reunion tour, Tommy would be a great way to, uh, you know, replace Ace. Uh, and even though, you know, it's always a little controversial and everything with the fans because, you know, how they can get. But yes. the thing about it, uh, for me, uh, I didn't really, you know, uh, be the spaceman. I didn't play. I think I was very respectful of the riffs that Ace played, but I wasn't copying note for note. I wasn't wearing the outfit. I wasn't moving like him or doing uh, smoke coming out of the... Uh, you know, a rocket, rocket coming out of my Les Paul. Okay, you know, sure. I just didn't have to do that. Bruce was able to be Bruce. Okay, so, so anyway, that's how you know. I, I always get asked that question: Why am I not in Kiss? And it's not like uh, I said the wrong thing or I demanded. One guy thought like you must have asked for too much money or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought that was funny. I said no, I really miss being in Kiss, but I miss being in 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 Kiss, the version I was in. 
you know what I mean? Uh, no makeup, and, and you know, the material was kind of different where they stick, uh, I'd say 90% to the makeup era and some of the records that they did uh, since then, of course, but um, not, you know, they don't, they don't do a lot of crazy nights or asylum music, you know that. But uh, I wish they did. <laughs> in the beginning, I knew. Let me just finish. So I'll, I'll tell you how I met them. Gene, I didn't know very well. One time, I walked into uh, when they were recording Creatures. My brother and I went up there. That's the first time I saw Eric Carr too. But uh, I didn't get into any conversation. Paul, unusually, uh, Bob and him befriended each other over um, just being being New York players and and Bob auditioned for them as you know so he knew about you know Kiss and it was sometimes socially where Bob and I would go uh, Paul was a huge rock star in the 70s you know uh, by by 78 or something and you know he picked his friends and who he was going to hang out with carefully and he knew my brother and the two of us would go to a movie or go to a club together and he was very 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 cool very laid back very you know I didn't work with him yet but I didn't know you know you, you know, the stage persona for Paul is, is uh, untouchable I mean the guy's just an incredible showman but you know he was just your your, your kind of like regular guy in New York you know and we all had a good time I, I, I can't say I got to know him well but I did see you know that was the makeup era too you're not supposed to see him without the makeup right mm-hmm. so here we are going to a movie or going to a club so that was kind of fun um, and I don't think it hurt when Paul wanted to reach out to me uh, years later in 84 although I, I do think it was a lot of other people that he worked with too that would say kind things to him about my talent and uh, convinced him uh, well you've used Bob plenty you know you should hear Bruce play he's really good too you know that kind of thing so um, it's a really interesting history I have I have to admit it really is it, it is and I, I'm a unabashed fan of of that era we call it 80s kiss i remember you said something yeah. funny one time you said uh the, the 80s were an, were an awkward period for gene i on, on well, one of the on one of the television show that cracks me up nothing to do with look gene's an incredible baseball player he's very underrated he doesn't care about being on a bass player magazine if you get what i mean you know on the cover and he he deserves it uh he's just a really good solid bass player that um, really forged his own style based on, to me, Jack Bruce and Paul McCartney. But, um, you know, here we go into this vibe of uh, rock became kind of glam, okay? You know, some guys, some bands will start in black t-shirts and never change, you know, like a Metallica, okay? And other bands, you know, evolve and they have different looks. You know, even Pantera had a different look in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably aware of that. Yes. Right? Um, but, you know, Kiss had this makeup look, which, you know, they did fool around with the versions of the costumes and everything through the years, of course. But the point is, you know, there they were in negative, very identifiable. So by the time it came off for Lick It Up and, and Animalize, I mean, I really thought what they were doing was very cool. But now they're just, you know, they're, they're, they can't hide behind a, you know, kind of, you know, the old black and silver kiss garb. They can't do that. And uh, it evolved. People like from David Coverdale to uh, Ozzy Osbourne were wearing extremely flamboyant clothes, which Paul can pull that off. Paul, <laughs> if you put any clothing on Paul, he looks good. You know? And you remember the asylum cape and the, you know, the, the pink, and, the pink frilly cape. Yeah. Cape glam and outrageous you know you had poison starting to break um it was popular it just was but gene is the you know kind of you know god of thunder demon uh it, it was it 
was awkward for him. You know what I mean? So that's why I said that. And and it's also, uh, um, sadly, very sadly, it's also part of why you see, there's lots of photos of asylum out there, but there's very, very, very few good pro footage of it. You know, the band never uh, filmed things, I think, uh, you know, and, and, you know, in retrospect, I wish they did, but because uh, as much as some of the clothes were a little ridiculous, um, you know, I, I'm looking at my Beatle Sergeant Pepper plate right now, and they're they're dressed in those like kind of marching band outfits. Yes, you know yes. I mean? that, it, it was closer to that certainly than 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 the suits that the Beatles started with, or or the makeup kits. So, so that's what I mean. It was it was um, a very very uh, awkward time for Gene. I I, I got some of Paul's handy hand me downs, and I'm not supposed to look like. Big Bird, you know, that, that Paul could be because he's the front man. But, uh, and Eric Carr, I think, was, was comfortable in his uh, spandex, crazy colored outfits because he's just behind the drums. But uh, I'm so proud of the asylum here. And, and, and honestly, it, since it's just turned 30 years, kind of, since that, that, uh, that time when I came out and all on the tour, um, that whole expo that I did in Stockholm had, had uh, a huge... Uh, presentation by a guy who was like an expert there, the asylum era, and we discussed asylum for like an hour. It was pretty pretty amazing, and I loved it. They challenged me with a slideshow of pictures. <laughs> did you see how the stage changed? You know, I'm yeah. like, huh? You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Uh, you're right, they did. Oh, my God. You know, because we did have to adjust. Many tours will change a bit in the first month, you know, how you do the staging and how you set things up. And I was blown away with how much they knew, and it really, it was like a highlight for me. I mean, it's always great to meet the fans and play for them, but for me to be kind of stumped and, and to, to get my memory jogged for some of the things that happened then uh, was quite, quite interesting. Well, Bruce, uh, let me go back to uh, 92 with that uh, Revenge album. Um, that was kind of a heavier, darker sound. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, what actually went into that? And was there a conscious effort to actually uh, uh, go in that direction? Well, the band, if you want to go through everything, Asylum was a bit pop, even though I think it had some incredible songs. Each of the albums, there's songs I'm super proud of that I think really represent little milestones for the band. Crazy Nights had Ryan Neverson producing and had some big hits, especially in Europe some strong songs and Hot in the Shade was a bit of a return to a little more straight ahead rock kind of thing uh, because music was starting to get a little more grungy and real and, and it was less about flamboyant and, and stadium uh, it wasn't about necessarily big uh, sing-along um, anthems but um, by the time we got ready for Revenge uh, we had one little detour which was very helpful for us, which was Bill and Ted's, um, you know, that that movie, you know, which was the, uh, what, what were those characters' names? Uh, yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, yeah, and this was their bogus journey. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know? oh, oh, that was the uh, Can't forget that one. And, and um, they wanted Kiss to cover... Uh, God gave rock and roll to you. You know, it was presented by the label to us. But they wanted, um, and I'm not sure how Bob Ezrin was was picked to be the producer, but uh, I was very grateful that that was a success. So we cut that one song. All right. Now, I'm not going to tell you Revenge was based on God gave rock and roll to you, but it, it, it introduced Bob back into the band. Uh, the last time he worked with them was The Elder, which was a, a, actually a very creative record, but very different for Kiss and not not very successful, you know, as you probably know. So 
in the end, um, Bob became the producer. So now that, well, okay, now we have a real, um, I mean, to me, Bob is not only brilliant, he's like a mad professor, but he, he clearly can, can make a direction for a band. There's no mystery to me that he was involved with uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, Peter Gabriel albums, Alice Cooper, uh, his resume, uh, and Destroyer. Okay, let's face it, that's got to be a, a, the, the top few of the, of the Kiss albums, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's Ezrin, and the, the, the direction was going to be uh, we were going to get you know, rough and tough, and and I think I think the clothes we wore for that, which was not really planned, it was almost uh, very organic. How everybody happened to have black leather stuff, and we had a vibe, and that was real magic. That that all came together with that, like that. The music took about a year. Um, uh, Bob and and Gene and Paul. It was like a no compromise album. If it had to be redone, we redid it. We really uh, spent a lot of attention to it. It was a tragic year. We lost our car. Yeah. Um, there was a lot going on. I mean, it came out in 92, but this was a lot of this was during 91 into, into uh, 92. And um, it is my, my, what I feel is, um, even though I have highlights on all the Kiss records, but I do really, really, really uh, like, you know, I, I think when people say, well, just pick one, I'll say, I'll say Revenge for me, even though it is, I, I love all the albums. Um, what Ezrin did and, and how we all really uh, worked super, super hard on it, um, I'm super proud of. Uh, absolutely. It probably, it's hard for me to, to pick a favorite non-Makeup Era album. That one that one would probably be it, uh, Bruce. But I'll tell you what, uh, before we let you go, we got to give you our final three drum roll, which is three quick questions, and you just give us whatever quick answer comes to mind, my man. Okay. All right. Last concert you saw as a fan. Oh, let me think of that. Hold on a second. Uh, 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 God, I don't go to a lot of concerts, as you can tell. Oh, well, uh, Paul McCartney. Okay, I bought very expensive tickets. And sold them <laughs> well, you, you can't avoid those with Paul. You can't, you can't avoid the expensive ones. No, no, and, and yeah, true, but well worth it. I, I, I actually regretted it was at Dodger Stadium, even though it was... Uh, Humanity, you know, sharing love together in, in, in a giant arena, you know, so there was a grandiose to it. Kanye West was like 20 feet away from me on this, you know, behind the soundboard, and I had tickets right near the soundboard. Um, uh, it, so that was really weird. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd have to say the, the Paul McCartney, yeah. And, and it was worth it. It was worth it. So if you had to put on makeup, uh, Kiss makeup, actually, Bruce. Uh, what would be your character? He's never heard this one, I bet, ever. <laughs> uh, but I like answering. I think it's funny. You know, part of why I called my first uh, solo record Audio Dog, at the time I had a terrific dog who, God bless him, was with me like 15 years. And he put up with my nonsense recording and everything. And I always looked at Kiss was like, well, there was a cat man. And then people always ask the question, especially when they put the makeup back on. So I was like, I'd be a dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be the dog. You know, and, and let's face it, uh, I think a cat's a better thing than makeup, makeup for. But, you know, I just always make the joke, uh, a dog. And that's why they gave up doing that. And that's why Eric Singer is the cat. And, uh, 
you know, and Tommy's a spaceman, because how many characters can you have? We I'm have, sorry. We had a fox, so, we had an Ankin warrior, we just kind of ran yeah, thin there. And, and, and you know how hard it was for Eric Carr. I mean, that was that could have been a real train wreck. You saw the hawk outfits or whatever? Oh, that's right, from the conventions. I remember seeing yeah, that hawk, not. yeah, the, the yellow he thing. on it at the last minute, and thank God he became the fox. I mean, and you know what? That really did fit him. Vinny, I got no comment about whatever, <laughs> or whatever. None of us do. But I'm just telling you, it's not it's not a good thing for them to keep. Well, let's put them in new things. You know, no, 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 no. They came up with the magic to go the first time. Um, the bigger question would have been, let's say, if Eric Carr never passed away, and then it was the reunion. Would they have kept the fox or made him become the cat? Yikes. So many interesting questions in, in history. I'll tell you what. Now, uh, another one. This, this. I think I might know the answer to this, but I, I may be wrong. You can play. You're uh, as a lead guitarist. You play uh, guitar in for for one set with one band, living or dead. Who are you playing with? Oh, I, I would. I'd want to do a set with Paul McCartney because I just love that stuff. I, I mean. Uh, I mean, I could say the Beatles, but that would be ridiculous, you know. Uh, no, it's okay. You're just replacing George Harrison. No big deal. But but just just it, it would have to be a Beatle related gig, okay? Because that that's my biggest influence, my favorite band. That that absolutely that is great. I tell you what, Bruce. I, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on and talking to us today. I know uh, you know you. It's uh, it's been a long spring for you. You've been very busy, a lot going on, and just to be able to to sit here and and uh, and talk with you and to hear these stories. I mean, it's something that you know. It's funny, you know, as a fan growing up, you hear these things and you never know you're going to get into the music in the media side of things. And when you talk yep. talking to people like you. It just makes it all. It, it really justifies everything. Okay. Because it's it's amazing. So we cannot. Yeah, but think I feel it on my way too because you know I, I remember uh, as you know because I know I had to postpone uh, our interview a few times and you know life gets in the way. Of course. And, and that life stuff very rarely has anything to do with my my guitar playing or my career. You know what I mean? It's it's family. It's it's your home. You know things like that. And the next thing you know, uh, doing an interview like you makes me uh, more grateful for what I do have on that level because you get kind of like you know caught up in the other the other nonsense you know what I'm saying but that's life and that's why everybody should I'll, I'll let you go with my uh, philosophy everybody should care about what they do I don't care if they're flipping burgers or making tacos or cleaning floors care about it you know take pride in what you do respect everyone the way you want to be respected and uh, you know and and you know take care of your family and love and love the people that are important in your life and treat everybody else with respect that's all Bruce couldn't said it better myself, man. I can't thank you enough. Let's keep in touch, man. We uh we got each other's email addresses. We'll hook up again, man, sometime down the road. You bring Grand Funk Railroad to the Midwest here to Kansas City. We'll hook up uh, any of your other endeavors. If you need any promotion, let us know. We'd be glad to help out, man. We cannot thank you enough, my man. You're very welcome. You guys have a great, great, great time with your show, and thanks for having me. Have yeah, great. It. Have a great holiday, Bruce. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye, right. Thanks, right. Bruce. Bye bye. Our thanks to Bruce Kulick of Kiss and various other projects. Clint, the guy was unbelievable. Yeah, great to have it. Now, I had a list of questions here that I was going to ask, and uh, he pretty much answered them all right in a, almost a perfect timeline of what I had here. So I guess either we didn't ask cool, we didn't have it cool enough, or you know, unique enough questions, or uh, you know, or he just has done this so many times that he knows the drill. Right. I guess. Yeah. Well, those are the best interviews for me. Is, is when the the artist just goes and goes and goes and because and, no one wants to hear from us right. let's just face it yeah exactly uh you know we have a voice for radio actually so a face uh, for or, radio. i'm sorry a face for radio. <laughs> that's yeah, for well, darn sure right, yeah well, we we had that discussion before but we no, did uh bruce was great as usual uh 
everybody else that we have on here is great. Yeah, and, we can't uh, thank everybody enough, man. We do, we love doing this. Love having the guests uh, from John Karabi a couple weeks ago. Now Bruce Kulick, and uh, actually next week we're going to be talking with Brent Woods, guitarist uh, Sebastian Bach, Vince right. Neil. Jay, he's just done it all. Wildside, oh, one of our favorite God. bands, one of our favorite obscure Hang on, bands. Lucy. One of my favorite yes. songs of back then of, Can't of wait. all time. Can't wait so. to talk with Brent Woods. But guys, thanks. Uh, please follow. You know, we look. We want to thank you for following us on our social medias: Facebook, Twitter, certainly Instagram. Downloading on iTunes. Give us that good star rating. Give us a like. Do all the things that you do on uh, social media. Anyway, just do it for us. We appreciate it, guys. We can't thank you enough. Thanks so much Absolutely. for listening this week, and we will catch you again next time around. Later. <laughs>